It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. It's Live in the Bream with the host of Fox News Sunday, Shannon Bream. This week, we get to welcome back to Live in the Bream, um, somebody who is one of my favorite guests, but also a dear friend. And man, we got some hot topics to talk about. Namely, he's got a brand new book called The Libyan Diversion. If you're familiar with his work, he's a New York Times bestselling author. You can't put these books down. And if you know his main character, Marcus Riker, you will be on the edge of your seat finding out what happens to him next. He is also um, the editor-in-chief of All Israel news he hosts the rosenberg report joel rosenberg welcome back hey great to be with you shannon how are you i am good and and let me start by asking and letting people know that you live in jerusalem and we'd love to get an update from you it's been a very active time the last few weeks listen the last few centuries but really in recent yeah. weeks there what is the mood what is the level of conflict where are where is kind of you're taking the pulse right now well, it always, uh, well, first of all, thank you for asking. Uh, you're right. Um, it, it always depends when you take the patient's temperature, at, you know, at where they are in, you know, in, in their in time and space. Because if you asked me a, a week ago, we had 1,400 rockets and missiles being fired at innocent Israelis and, you know, a million and a half Israelis living in bomb shelters uh, around the clock. So that was a bad week. Um, this week, things have lifted, and at the moment, uh, things are good. Uh, Israelis are very resilient. We've dealt with war and terror uh, for our entire existence, and of course, the existence of the Jewish people has not always gone well for us. Uh, but uh, but this is a good week, and uh, it's quiet, um, and we're celebrating uh, this month the 75th anniversary mm-hmm. of the miraculous and I would say prophetic rebirth of the state of Israel in 1948. May 14th was the date on the Western calendar when David Ben-Gurion, our first prime minister, declared our independence. And of course, we started with war that day, Um, but mostly things are better, mostly. Uh, We've got six Arab-Israeli peace treaties. Uh, There's talk, uh, active talk of an Israeli-Saudi peace deal in the next five or six months. We'll see, we're covering that closely. and. uh, so it's it's never a dull moment. That's for sure, Shannon. <laughs> that is true. Um, well, let me ask you about the 75th anniversary, because as you said, I mean, for all of my life, for all of our lives that we've been around, there has been an Israel, but it's really a very young new development, Israel as a nation. Yeah, as a, as a modern sovereign state, right? We're only 75 years old. A few years ago, I actually sat down uh, with three major evangelical leaders who were alive and you know of uh, uh, you know and they remember what life was like as evangelical christians in america before the rebirth of the state of israel uh, one of them was john macarthur uh, and then two of the others have passed away chuck smith uh, pastor chuck smith mm-hmm. of calvary chapel uh, in orange county which is you know now has become much more famous because of the jesus revolution mm-hmm. uh, movie but the bottom line is you've talked to people who have some concept or memory of pre-Israel days. Yeah. And and, and uh, Jim Dobson was one of those also. It, it, and it is interesting because for more than 1900 years, almost 2000 years, 
Israel didn't exist as a sovereign nation state. And most people in the world, including most of our church fathers, for those of us that are Christians, they didn't actually believe the Bible prophecies were literal when it came to that God would literally re bring the Jewish people back from, from exile to resettle in the Holy Land, that he would literally make the deserts bloom and literally rebuild the ancient ruins and literally give Israel once again a sovereign nation state. Most Christian leaders, Martin Luther, Augustine, others, they just did not believe those were actual literal promises. Um, and yet they clearly were, and here we are, and and it's uh, it's pretty dramatic. It is, and you're living right in the middle of that. And at the same time, you have done a number of things. You spent decades here in Washington, and that informs so much of what you do, not only the work you do in the news, in the Rosenberg Report, but also your incredible fiction books, which are always all over the New York Times bestseller list and other bestseller lists, because... You have this gift, as we've talked about before, of being very prescient about things that are coming down the the tracks. And, you know, it's been frightening, but you may just have a gift, I think we've all agreed, at being able to look ahead and understand and read the world and read the threats. Your brand new book, The Libyan Diversion, is the next adventure for Marcus Riker, who is so we'll talk about his character and kind of like all the different conflicts going on with him. But you have in this book the very real danger about what's going on at our borders. And that came, I think, in part from a very important conversation you had. Yeah, about two and a half years ago or so, uh, we were, we were of course, honoring and remembering the, the 20th anniversary of the horrific attacks uh, by al-Qaeda, by Osama bin Laden on September 11th, 2001, uh, against New York, against Washington, and then, of course, in Pennsylvania. So I had written a nonfiction book that you and I talked about at the time called Enemies and allies, because I, I wanted to look 20 years after 9-11, who are our enemies in the Middle East and around the world, and who are our allies, because things have changed so much. And that was a book that dealt with my, you know, not just sort of the conceptual, what's, what's different, what's better, what's worse, but also my personal conversations with most of the kings, crown princes, presidents, uh, prime ministers, and other major leaders in the United States and and in Israel and and the and the broader Arab Muslim world, that's what made that book Enemies and Allies interesting, uh, because very few journalists get to sit down with any of them, much less all of them, and get them on the record. But one of the people in the book, a great friend and a, and and a, and, a, and a great source, uh, was Mike Pompeo, the former CIA director and former Secretary of State, who who I'd actually gotten to know. Uh, before he became any of those things. He was in the House of Representatives, and one of his assistants texted me one day here in Israel saying, hey, my boss has discovered your novels and really enjoys them. If you're ever back in the States and you're up on Capitol Hill, he'd love to have a cup of coffee with you. And so I took them up on that offer, and and we became friends. So who knew, right, uh, that he would emerge as a, as a CIA director and secretary of state? So he was a source uh, on the record for enemies and allies, and so we were releasing that book uh, on the week, you know, the weekend, the week of uh, the 9/11 anniversary, 20 years later. And I asked uh, Secretary Pompeo if he would come and and do an event with me at the Museum of the Bible, as it happened, uh, for um, 
uh, called an epicenter briefing with the Joshua Fund ministry that Lynn and I started to bless Israel and her neighbors. And I said, would you would you come and let me interview you so that people can hear your perspective on all the things? Anyway, long story short, you know, we talked about all the obvious threats of the Iran nuclear threat, Russia, China, North Korea, so forth. But then I asked him, hey, what have I not asked you about? Right. What 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 do you what keeps you up at night, Mr. Secretary? That's a threat that most of us are not even paying attention to. And Pompeo said something very interesting, very sobering. And that was that he said the ungoverned spaces in northern Mexico along the U.S. border really worry him. I said, OK, talk about that. And he said, basically, the Mexican government has effectively surrendered large swaths of territory in their northern tier up along the mm. U.S. border to drug cartels, uh, human traffickers, organized crime syndicates and other bad actors. And he said, that's why we have to work so hard on building a wall and protecting the southern border, because it's not just an invasion of millions of people who want to come and they don't want to go through the normal processes. It's that there's really dangerous people trying to get in. And I thought about that, Shannon. And, um, you know, I'm always scrounging. I'm not that bright. So I have to look for really interesting <laughs> not true. Uh, uh, threats and, and things. And and I thought, wow, that would be that's horrible. That should be a novel. I should write about the worst case scenario if a terrorist organization decided to exploit the border crisis, the border chaos and sneak radical Islamist jihadists into the United States across that border and bring nuclear dirty bombs with them. And that became the premise of the Libyan diversion. And when I interviewed uh, Pompeo a few weeks ago on the Rosenberg Report, which is that, that weekly show I do on TBN, um, I, I, had real, I realized at that moment I hadn't even told him that I had built an entire novel around <laughs> that conversation we had two and a half years ago. But, and uh, he actually just endorsed uh, um, the book today. He and he, he, I'd given it to him about a month ago. So anyway, um, but I wish it was just fiction, but I really worry, mm -hmm. Shannon, that uh, and I'm not trying to make a partisan point. I, I think of it as a, a patriotic point. There's a serious danger when you have fentanyl, the most dangerous drug in the world, 50 times more dangerous than heroin there you know 400 million doses came in through the mexican border last year that's enough doses to kill every single american and then you got human trafficking and human slavery organized crime but the idea of terrorists actually entering the united states is not fiction even though i wrote it as a fictional account in the libyan diversion but just last weekend fox news reported an afghan national on the fbi terror watch list was arrested in San Diego, um, he had illegally entered the United States and he's on the terror watch list. And you say, well, Joel, that's a one-off. I mean, okay, so no, he's the 83rd right. person on the watch list to get into the United States this year that we know of. And last year there was 98. So how many people do we not know that have entered the United States, they're terrorists and they're plotting something horrific as bad or worse the 9-11. That's what worries me. That's why I wrote The Libyan Diversion. Yeah. And it, as with all your books, it is a wild ride. We've got Marcus Riker at the middle of this thing who has, my goodness, had more adventures than anybody <laughs> could have in a lifetime. Um, he survived a lot. He's on maybe life six or seven at this point. 
but he comes from this place of principle. He's a guy who wants to do the right thing, and he's often put in really difficult moral quandaries about, you know, his obligation to um, his faith, to his country, to what he knows is right and facing down pure evil in many cases. Tell us about what drives this character and how you script somebody that, to me, I feel like I know him so well and he's not a real person. <laughs> well, that's good. That means I'm 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 trying. You know, I'm I'm doing You're my job it. and engaging uh, you and making you feel like you like you know this person. So, for those who don't know Marcus Riker, uh, several things drive him. First is patriotism. His father was a, a fighter pilot um, who had the most air to air kills um, during his career, but was shot down and killed. Uh, on the first day of uh, first night of operations in the uh, the Gulf War, the first Gulf War in uh, January of 1991, and so that's a wound in uh, Marcus's life. He grew up uh, from about 10 years old on without a father. Uh, he grew up in in Colorado on the Front Range, so he's also got that sort of Western American love of freedom and, and adventure and. Um, you know, climbing 14ers and jumping out of airplanes and, you know, whitewater rafting and all the things my kids love and do and I just write about. But um, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> four sons, that's, uh, yeah, two of which were in uh, the army here in Israel. So, but, but so he, he, so he's driven by patriotism. Uh, he, jo- he joined the Marines after 9-11 happened and was deployed to Afghanistan for multiple combat tours, wounded multiple times, uh, uh, um, honored for that, but uh, served in Iraq. Then he becomes a U.S. Secret Service agent. Anyway, all that to say, then he, he, he serious, suffers a very uh, serious and additional wound in his first in, in the first book, the, the Kremlin Conspiracy, five books ago. So it's a little bit of a spoiler alert, but I'll just say it anyway, because it's important for your, your listeners to understand Marcus is in this, has these incredible skills of protecting his country and its leaders, but his wife and only son were murdered in a convenience store robbery, uh, and that happens in the first book, The Kremlin Conspiracy. So he has physical wounds, but he also has deep emotional and um, psychological and even spiritual wounds, the feeling of guilt that he has spent his entire professional life protecting his country and its leaders and its values only to fail to protect the two people that he loves most in the world. Mm-hmm. And so in time, and you know, he, he's, he's sort of forced back into government service. He works for the CIA. And so that combination of these incredible skills, um, uh, he, he's not an assassin, Shannon, right? I mean, you know, James He does Bond, what he has to do. He knows how to kill people. But yep. he's not James Bond. He's not uh, Jason Bourne. He's not uh, Vince Flynn's main character, Mitch Rapp. He's not an American assassin or British assassin. His main instincts and his training is to protect. And that, again, that goes to his wound. But in protecting, um, he's got to protect against these terrorist attacks. And so in the CIA, this is what he's doing. And uh, and now the worst terror on, terrorist on the planet um, is plotting to bring these terrorists into the United States through the Mexican border, and uh, things go sideways. We'll have more Live in the Bream in a moment. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at Show.com. 
So the book is The Libyan Diversion. We're talking with author Joel Rosenberg, who wears many hats. He's one of the few people, and I always say this to him, and when I tell other people about him too, like, fascinating and excellent nonfiction and fiction. I know very, I, I really can't think of anybody else who has done this that well, or even really attempts it at all. So you are very entertaining with your fiction work. Um, you're very informative with the nonfiction work, but really informative. And you want people to learn through the fiction work too. I find that when you're engrossed in a story, there's real opportunity to educate people in that process too. Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to say that I hope that you become one of these people who can do both. And I, I, I I'm very, very It's a pretty high standard. You can. You clearly, you've clearly uh, mastered the the nonfiction side, and you know these huge New York Times bestsellers. Lynn and I are are up to the book of uh, the section on Job and his friends uh, mm. in uh, in in That's your latest uh, book, which we are loving. We're reading it together. She's really reading it to me, and uh, we're enjoying that it works. very, very much. And, and I want to see you become a fiction writer also. But as I teased you when I had you on the Rosenberg Report to talk about your new book, <laughs> uh, I said, uh, look, I've always told my journalist friends, look, it's not unethical to write fake news. That's totally fine as long as you own it. There is a job for it, and it's called being a novelist. <laughs> exactly. That's what I do mostly, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I write these scenarios that feel like they're ripped out of today's or tomorrow's headlines, but they're not. And I pray that they never will be. But I also have a passion about the things, the issues that I write about. And that's why I can't just write novels. I, it would be better for my health and my sanity if that's all I did, because adding, you know, running the only English language digital news agency run by Christians for the world's Christians, although Muslims and Jews read all Israel news also, that adds a whole level of additional work. That's and a one full-time job. That's probably 10 full-time jobs, just that. Yeah, and then add a weekly primetime television show, The Rosenberg Report, that is insane. And uh, and it's exhausting. But the reason I can't just write novels is because then I'd only get to talk about what I care about one season, one book tour a year. And there's mm -hmm. way too much going on to not try to build teams of, of additional uh, you know, media platforms. So that is uh that, that those are those are the things I care about. And I love I love using fiction to to not just to educate, but also to entertain. If I don't entertain you, then why are you reading it? I mean, nobody likes to read something that's 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 made up. All right. It's a it's a weird job to write a novel because why would someone spend twenty eight dollars and several days of their precious time, you know, to read something that's not true. And, you know, why does King Abdullah of Jordan read my novels? I don't he does. know. He has a pretty important day job, right? Mm -hmm. Why does the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia or the Vice President of the United States, former Pence or or Pompeo, like, you know, the, the fact that there are 5 million books in print means that regular, normal, ordinary, extraordinary people are reading it. I love that. But when world leaders, uh, the Canadian Prime Minister Stephen Harper, are reading my books, and I that really forces me to take my game up. Mm -hmm. But it also means how do you do that? They would not be spending several days reading my op-eds, okay, or or speeches. Like I, I've got to create something that's unique and special, and is can compete with anything that's out there on the New York Times bestseller list, and that's hard. Not as hard as other jobs, but but it's not easy. 
It is not. And yet you do it again and again and again. And we are the beneficiaries of that. Again, the book is The Libyan Diversion. It's out now. Joel, how can people connect with you, find the book, all those good things? Sure. Well, they can, they can certainly come to my website, joelrosenberg.com, joelrosenberg.com. And that's the sort of Grand Central Station. You can find all Israel News. You can find the Rosenberg Report uh, websites with that also. And you can find all the books. But, you know, you could just go on Amazon and, and get it or Barnes & Noble or walk into, you know, any of your favorite independent uh, uh, bookstores or chain stores. Um, you know, Libyan Diversions out in hardcover, but also in ebook. And um, I love to read books by not reading them. I just don't have time to cover <laughs> every book that I love. So I download them on my phone. I happen mm -hmm. to use the Audible app from Amazon. And that's a great way I, I find, especially for guys, but also uh, professional women who they don't have extra time, but they're driving or they're on the bus or the train or they're just going to pick up, you know, get gas or pick up the kids or whatever. And that uh, or running and they they find that uh, listening to a book is a great way to do it. So I, yeah, that's the, the way I love to absorb um these types of books and it's the available problem in that is way when you get well. where you're going you don't want to get out of the car or turn off the phone because <laughs> you're caught up with marcus Riker and his latest um death-defying uh scenario so thank you for the entertainment thank you for the education in the process and all the work that you do joel um we are grateful for you and that you share our talents with all of us and thank you for coming back to live in the bream congratulations on the libyan diversion well, thank you so much, Shannon. And I, you know, I want to thank you for that. You're living that you and Sheldon are living the bream literally. And, uh, <laughs> and also because you've been, I would put you in, in the same category with Rush Limbaugh. Nobody has what? been more interested or supportive <laughs> in the media of my books. Now Rush is in heaven. So mm -hmm. I'm grateful. He's but looking you, down you've on been you. covering. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, he, he was such a boost for my career, but yeah, you've had me on in various ways over the out of many years, 10, 12 years, I've lost track. So thank you very much for your friendship, most importantly, mm -hmm. uh, but also your 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 passion for these books and uh, wanting to share them with others. I appreciate that very much. Well, I so know does they will be, they'll be greatly entertained and blessed. So yes, I am happy to count myself as a friend and <laughs> as a fan. So Joel, let's do this again soon. God bless you. Thank you so much, Hannah. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.